I love how things just magically arrive on our doorsteps these days. Now we can order them online. But do you sometimes ponder all the steps that object took to make it to us? Long before the Posties motorbike, at some point they were probably on a great big cargo ship. And I mean truly enormous. Those ships are often powered by very polluting fuels. But some new shipping companies are actually starting to go back to the old ways. Shipping cargo by sailing boats. Christian de Berkelaar is a senior lecturer in culture and climate at Melbourne University and he went and found his sea legs for his new book, Trade Winds. Christian, welcome. Thank you very much. That is commitment, getting on a sailing vessel and uh, sailing off uh, for research. Tell me about this cargo ship you went on. So I joined the Aventure, um, which means adventure in Dutch, uh, which is a ship built in 1920, about 45 metres long, and uh, it's a schooner. And uh, it's been sailing um, as a cargo ship under its current owner since about 2015. And I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to try to understand how these ships work. So I joined and sailed along. I love the drawings in the book Trade Winds too. It's got a rum barrel on the deck, but also it's been modernised. It's got uh, wind turbines and solar panels. What was life like on board? Um, Life was not very different from what you might read in the the books of Richard Henry Dana or Eric Newby or Alan Villiers in the sense that the the culture of sailing hasn't really changed all that much in centuries. So we were standing watch eight hours a day, four hours on, eight hours off. Um, So that, you know, clockwork that we couldn't change or challenge. Um, um, many of us were living in the forecastle in the in the forward of the of the ship. There were about ten of us living in a space about sixteen square meters in okay. bunks. Okay. That's a small mm. amount per person. Absolutely. My my bunk was about the size of a coffin, oh. which gets um, you know quite cozy when you're in the tropics. It's it's a bit stuffy, but um, no, it was really lovely. And then we had a, a cook on board, a captain, a first and second officer and a bosun. And then, you know, a bunch of trainees who were, you know, keen to learn the ropes and help sail the ship. Well, they were keen at the start, but then it turned out to be a lot longer trip than you thought. How did people feel about it as things started to change? Well, yeah, I mean, I personally signed up for a three-week Atlantic Ocean crossing, which, you know, is, is nice enough. Um, but then halfway, we heard that because of COVID, all the borders shut. So um, it took us about five months in the end before we could step off in Hamburg. But um, it, it's it's kind of tricky to realise that all of a sudden you're not on board anymore entirely voluntarily because you sign on and you say, this is the period I'll spend on board and that's fine. You can deal with giving your, you know, ability to make your own decisions to the captain. But it, it was difficult at times um, because we, we all had some plans and we all we all had very different expectations of that voyage. And yeah, we all had to deal with it in our, in our own ways. And um, I, I, along with some others, tried to just accept that that's what it was. But I really understand that some others got quite frustrated in the process. Yeah, indeed. Well, so the whole idea was that you were looking at how you carry cargo on sailing ships. I mean, this is not a huge sailing ship. How much cargo could you fit on the Aventura? Oh, hardly anything. We were um, <laughs> pointless we were trans- exercise. <laughs> well, not not quite, and that's that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make in the book. So we were carrying about sixty five tons of green coffee, cacao, and rum. Um, but if you compare that to the 11 billion tons that, of cargo that we ship every year, it's peanuts. Um, but the thing is that 
that's part of the argument that these companies are trying to make. They say not only is sale a really good way of transporting goods emission free, but also we should really probably think about how much we actually ship. And maybe that's a kind of way of, you know, challenging uh, more people to think about that. And that seems to be working because because of the, the, the handful initiatives that have been um, doing this, we're actually talking about shipping these days. And it's not just because the Ever Given got stuck in the Suez Canal, but it's also because, yeah, we realize that, you know, the ways in which we produce and consume things um, are really contributing to the climate crisis we're in. And, and this is, you know, a potential way out. Well, and we've done stories here on Life Matters about fast fashion and the giant volume of clothes that get shipped backwards and forwards across the ocean, you know, in material form to the uh, people who run them up and then back to Australia and then back again when they're used to Africa or other unfortunate places that have to deal with our waste um, and the, you know, flat pack furniture that comes and goes in various forms. How bad is the shipping industry when it comes to fossil fuel emissions? So the shipping industry consumes around 300 million tonnes of fuel every year. um, And that adds up to about 1 billion tonnes of carbon dioxide emissions. That's roughly the same as all of Germany. A little bit more even. So that's that's an enormous amount of emissions um, generated by one single industry. And that's why we're, we're currently really um, trying to, to bring that down. And the International Maritime Organization is, is taking steps to, to do that. So when you say steps, how, how well regulated are those emissions? Uh, at present, not too well. Um, at present, the, the, the target is to reduce emissions by 50% um, compared to 2008 by 2050. But that is in no way enough to meet uh, the climate or the temperature goals set in the Paris Agreement. And that's why the IMO is, is meeting later this year in July to agree on a revised strategy. And it is my hope and somewhat maybe also my expectation that we'll agree on a um, 100% reduction by 2050, but also that the IMO will set a, um, a price on carbon emissions from shipping. And that would be an amazingly important step because that would be the first time ever that there is a global like a global price on carbon for an entire industry. And that's usually the really tricky thing. You've got regional carbon prices, you know, like in the European Union, some countries have it. But then having one that applies to all ships everywhere around the globe, that would be an absolute first. We're speaking with Christian du Berkela, whose book Trade Winds recounts his uh, uh, unexpectedly very long trip on a sailing cargo ship and looks at some of the ways that people are trying to change the shipping industry around the world and uh, some hopefully optimistic uh, ideas about how that might happen. But I mean, when you think about the scale of cargo ships, I mean, how big are these things? Well, the, the largest ones today are about 400 metres long. So that's really different to the little tiny, beautiful sailing ship that you were on. Yes, and that's also that, that the illustration, um, or the illustrations made by Athena Corcoran Tad um, really kind of capture that nicely because one of the chapter headings has um, a huge container ship with our um, little sailing ship right next to it. And y- y- it, it really gives you a sense of the scale. Um and and that will indeed be a really big challenge because the largest sailing ship um, 
we've ever built is less than 200 meters long and we're, we're yet to re really kind of understand the implications of building really large sailing ships. Well, and I imagine the, the shipping industry is like, I really like not being reliant on the wind. Absolutely. But it would also be really nice not to be reliant on fossil fuels. Yep. Yep. That's a very good point. So there's this thing called the sailing cargo movement. How active are they so far? What are they doing? So there's there's it's 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 a it's a pretty loose movement of about half a dozen ships that are operating in different um, in different ways and in different spaces. Um, the Tres Hombres kind of started this revolution in the Netherlands um, around 2000. Seven, um, when they started sailing a 1943 brigantine across the Atlantic to um, cart, yeah, again, coffee and rum across. Just the language, a brigantine with coffee and rum. We could be in the 17th century with Blackbeard on the horizon. Oh, absolutely. And and that ship in particular, uh, a lot of the crew look like um, they come out of, out of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, th th there's, a, there's a really interesting kind of cultural vibe around it. But you also have um, the sail cargo Inc., um, a Canadian company that is building a wooden um, cargo ship in Costa Rica um, from scratch. And uh, that will be, you know, in operation in the next couple of years. But there's also a ship called the Kwai that is sailing um, for the government of the Marshall Islands. Um, it used to be owned by an American, Brad Ives, but he had to give up the vessel because of COVID. He wasn't able to operate it. But it's 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 running and it's connecting um, the Marshall Islands to some, you know, very remote islands in their own country, but also to Kiribati to really provide um, life essentials. Um, so... And, and there's a handful of more companies in Europe and, and beyond who are kind of really engaged in this, both at sea and ashore. Interesting text on this, Christian Duberkala. Guy in Richmond says, cargo ship emissions could be drastically reduced by phasing out fossil fuels because 40% of all cargo carried are coal, oil and gas. It's a really fascinating topic when you really get into it. I wanted to quickly touch too on the working conditions in the shipping industry because that's another thing that's a bit difficult to stomach, isn't it, sometimes? Absolutely. Um, you know, anyone working on board a, a cargo ship um, generally works seven days a week, um, days of up to 12 hours um, of, of, of quite hard work, actually. And um, depending on the rank at which you kind of come on board the ship, your contract can be a couple of weeks to up to a maximum of 11 months. So there are people who spend 11 months on board ships who work every single day of the week. Because you don't get shore leave anymore, do you? It's, the process is too quick, generally. Um, yeah, the, so the, the, the times um, that ships spend in port don't really allow for people to go um, into port anymore uh, or into the city. But also the, the port compounds are so far from city centres that it becomes too expensive and too time consuming to actually travel there. So... In, in the best of cases, they'll meet someone and some chaplain from the, the mission to seafarers, but that's pretty much it. But of course, that we weren't the only people getting stuck um, during COVID. Um, you basically had a million and a half people who were on board um, cargo ships who all of a sudden also heard that they wouldn't be able to go home at the end of their contract because borders were shut and no one would be able to replace them and they wouldn't be able to travel home. So... You know, 
they might have been at the end of a 10, 11 month contract and their contracts could have been extended for up to, you know, four, five, six, seven months. So that that was extremely difficult for a lot of people. And there were hundreds of thousands of people who were working beyond their contract. And that cause real hardships. We're speaking with Christian de Berkeley and Christian, you uh, write in Trade Winds, your book about um, how those historical inequities uh, are kind of perpetuated on board ship, you know, from the Lascars onwards. So there's a lot of people very powerless in that situation. So from a consumer point of view, if we're sitting there going, okay, that sounds pretty bad and I don't like the emissions, is there anything that we can do at the, the point of clicking on the shipping buttons? When shopping, there is very little you can do, in fact. Um, If anything, it would be great if we could ship more things by ship and not by cargo plane, because that would actually save far more emissions. But um, the the, the problem is that a lot of shipping is actually business to business. So you have, um, you know, things that are shipped to your supermarket or to, um, you know, the hardware store or whatever it is, and they get all these containers shipped. It's also the manufacturers who get the raw materials. So there is very, we have very little control over this apart from, I would say, our, you know, our role as citizens where we can put pressure on our politicians to actually raise the level of ambition. And Australia is, is quite, is quite ambitious, but not among the most ambitious. So I think there is um, a, a, uh, there is a possibility for Australia to really step up in that sense. Well, and as you said before, it's about kind of moving the hand away from the mouse and at that point of purchase decision to just looking at our consumption landscape. Just finally, Christian, if, if you want to be a passenger on a sailing boat and you're not, you know, a journalist or a researcher, is that possible these days? Uh, yes. Um, there, there are actually, actually more and more um, kind of slow travel companies that allow you to board... Um, one of these really big cargo ships but it's actually quite easy to get on board sailing ships um, especially the traditional uh, ones that are run as charter sail training vessels um, because they're always kind of you know going around the world and they always need um, people to, to, to help sail them so if you want to join a traditional sailing ship or a sailing cargo ship it's actually quite easy to to, to join them Do you need much experience? No, that's the beauty of it. Um, These ships are set up in such a way that very few people who join them actually have any sailing experience at all. Um, You have an experienced crew on board and they'll teach you what to do and tell you what to do. And um, basically what you need is um, a willingness to you know, stand watch and be active and, and especially learn. Yep, sleep in a coffin and take orders. <laughs> Easy. Christian Duberkela, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you so much. It's a book called Trade Winds, A Voyage to a Sustainable Future for Shipping. And as you've heard in our discussion today, it opens a whole can of worms about how we live. Fascinating to me.